You are listening to Insights and Perspectives. I am your host, Joseph Rodriguez, discussing books and topics on personal development and entrepreneurship. These podcasts are an audio extract from my YouTube videos. You can watch my original videos and download a copy of the mind map notes for each episode by going over to josephrodriguez.com. Your Right to Be Rich by Napoleon Hill. Wealth is a consciousness. It's a state of mind. There's a saying, you don't get what you want, you get what you are. As in, you've got to become first. You've got to be the kind of person that attracts what it is that you consciously desire. See, we have our conscious mind and we have our subconscious mind. The conscious mind, a lot of us work with it and say, this is what we want to create in our lives. We want to create success, we want to create wealth, and here's what it looks like. And the subconscious mind, that's where the power is. The subconscious mind has programming that comes from various different experiences, different kinds of beliefs and ideologies that we've adopted over the years that are either in alignment with that conscious vision that we want to create or not. And if we do not get the subconscious mind in alignment with our conscious vision, then we're going to create tons of self-sabotaging circumstances and situations in our lives that is going to prevent us from actually achieving the results that we want. So when thinking Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill dedicated a lot of time when it comes to discussing the subconscious mind and programming it. And in this book, there was a number of different talks that he did where were compiled and consolidated into a number of different principles. And what I want to focus on is programming the subconscious mind with certain kinds of information that is going to empower you to achieve your goals. See, the programming that's in your subconscious mind drives everything you do, your actions, your behaviors, your habits, and even the belief systems that you choose to adopt as a result of what goes on within and one of the things we have to realize is that the journey towards getting wealth or creating results in any area of your life requires some introspection, requires some awareness, requires some realization that perhaps the situations, the circumstances, the environments, the way you think, the way you go about doing things is not in alignment with what you're looking to achieve. And what you want to do is you want to get in alignment with what you want to achieve. As mentioned, you get what you are, not what you consciously say what you want, but who you are. And when we get into things like affirmation and what to say when you talk to yourself and a lot of different things in the personal development movement, what we're really doing is we're going into reprogramming the subconscious mind. Now, you'll know about this if you get into studying the various different kinds of transformational seminars and programs that are available. What they really do to make the system effective in creating results is they go in and rewrite meanings and stories and they transform a person's worldview by going into their subconscious mind and creating new beliefs and meanings and so forth. Now, when a person's reality starts to shift, when their paradigm starts to shift or has shifted, into a perspective that is in alignment with their goal, now what they'll find is that they will be automatically doing the things that will lead them towards a goal. 
towards a worthy ideal. There are individuals that wake up every day in entrepreneurship, for example, and do optimal behaviors and produce the results. There isn't a lot of stress. There isn't a lot of friction. They just go about doing their things and they produce results. And then on the flip side, you've got other entrepreneurs, usually starting out, that are going up against a lot of resistance. They have resistance to selling, resistance to money, resistance to doing all kinds of efficient behaviors that are actually going to contribute towards their success. That's because what they're really up against is the programming in their subconscious mind. And with practice and discipline and repetition of doing the optimal behaviors, as well as, you know, ideally incorporating some of these subconscious mind-related reprogramming, training in books and seminars and so forth, they're going to find that something will switch inside of them and they're going to start to navigate with ease towards their goals. Now, I say all this from my own personal experience. And what I realized and one of the main reasons why I keep making these videos and I discuss the various topics over and over again from multiple different perspectives is that by repeatedly submersing ourselves in empowering information, we begin to reprogram our subconscious mind. We start to align it with our vision, our goal, success, which is probably very different than where you are right now. So there's where you are right now, where you want to go, and the process for getting there. And a large part of the process is not the steps you follow, but the reconditioning and retraining of the programming, belief systems, ideologies, and the way you go about looking at reality that is buried deep within your subconscious mind. And so what I've done is I pulled a handful of principles over here, and we're going to discuss them. Different elements that are designed to help you reprogram your subconscious mind using the teachings of Napoleon Hill in this book. And it's geared towards you creating financial success or wealth. However, it's also applicable for just about any other area of your life because these principles are universal as discussed in Think and Grow Rich. Principle number one, definiteness of purpose. So there's a number of premises that were covered in this section, and I want to discuss them, and each one of them are very important. Number one, a plan for action. You must have a purpose. You have to have a plan, and you have to start putting that plan into action. It's not too important that your plan be sound, because if you find that you've adopted a plan that's not sound or working, you can always change your plan. You can always modify your plan. But it's very important that you be definite about it. What is it that you're going after and your purpose for getting it? That must be very definite. Now, why is this important? Well, see, when you create a vision to what you want to become and you consciously say, I'm going to become this person, and you create your affirmations or, as Napoleon Hill calls it, auto-suggestions, or you record an audio of yourself repeating it over and over again and so forth, whatever it is, you start to know where you're going. And then reality starts to look different you start to realize that everything about reality is revealing to you whether you are on track towards your goal or not. And then you'll start to notice the various different kinds of manifestations from your subconscious mind, different kinds of habits and different things that come up that are self-sabotaging you, as well as on the positive, things that are moving you forward. And with the things that are self-sabotaging you that were preventing you from moving forward, you begin to write the rewrite the meaning, you change, make changes around, and you transform 
and those different elements in your subconscious mind start to change. And as a result, your actions, your behaviors start to change. But you wouldn't know that unless you know where you're going. If not, you're just kind of random. Think about this as a compass. Okay? When you are looking for a destination or GPS, you're trying to get to a destination, you punch it into the GPS, and the GPS gives you a clear path on how to get there. And all you got to do is just follow that path. But if you didn't put the destination in and you just start driving, you're going to go all over the place and the signs and just about everything is just not going to make any sense. Now, the same thing is true when it comes to how we create success. We have to know where we're going. And then when we know where we're going, the brain goes to work. We go to work internally to figure out whether we are on course and everything starts to take life. We start to make sense of different things that happen. We understand the meanings we're giving to different things. We understand how we need to adopt new belief systems, meanings, and ideologies to support our goals. And we start to see our good behaviors, and we continuously build upon those until we achieve success. And according to the definition of, from Earl Nightingale, The Stranger's Secret, Success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So once you've created a plan, you're moving forward towards it, you are a success because you are growing. You are making progress. Number two, motive determines every action and all achievement. Motive. The second premise is that all individual achievements are the results of a motive or a combination of motives. I want to impress upon you that you have no right to ask anybody to do anything at any time without what? without giving that person adequate motive. So this is as true when it comes to working with people as much as it is working with ourselves. This is all about knowing why. Now, I did a whole video on Start With Why by Simon Sinek. If you haven't watched it, I recommend doing so. If you don't know why you're doing something, how are you able to create that burning desire? When you have a vision and you say, I want to create this success in my life, I aspire to you know, make twenty or $30,000 a month, what's the reason why you're doing it? Can you visualize yourself and can you get really excited about the potential life that you'll be living? Will you be traveling? Will you have certain kinds of experiences? Will you be doing things that are considerably different than yours? And are you motivated by that? Are you driven by that? It's that visioning, creating the vision in your mind, and then emotionalizing that begins to reprogram the subconscious mind and orients you towards that direction. Those are motives. Now, when you're dealing with people, you can't get people to do what you want them to do without coercion or any kind of these things that we don't even want to do to get somebody to get, the, get on our side and work with us. You don't do that. That is not the way to do it. The best way to do it is to find out what their motives are, what are they interested in, and connect what you have to offer and your goal to their vision and their goal. Now you're in sync, you're in harmony. If not, you're going to be using mental, emotional, and possibly even physical, physical manipulation to try to get what you want, and that's just a waste of time. We don't do that. It's not required. It's not even needed at all. Number three, the power of your subconscious. The third premise is that any dominating idea, plan, or purpose which is held in the mind through repetition of thought and which is emotionalized 
with a burning desire for its realization will be taken over by the subconscious section of the mind and acted upon through whatever natural and logical means available. See, we are already programmed. Our subconscious mind is already programmed. The question is, which of that information is empowering towards our goal and which is not? Where did this information come from? Well, it comes from friends, family, media, television, internet, a lot of different sources. Anytime you consume information, doesn't matter what kind of information it is, it is going in and programming your subconscious mind. And when you consume the same kind of information over and over again, that information will further build upon the programming in your subconscious mind and your behaviors will start to reflect that. So if you have disempowering information in there, it's important to recognize this and reprogram your subconscious mind for success by consuming empowering information. This means that you evaluate, you take inventory of the people in your life, the circumstances, situation, your environments, and the places where you're getting your information from, and you're asking the question, how is this contributing? How is this empowering me? Or is it making you feel disempowered? Is it making you feel like the effect, external locus of control versus internal locus of control? Internal locus of control being you create reality. And all these things matter. All these things are very important because they are indicators of whether you are becoming the person that is the person that is the net result of the success that you desire. And so programming your subconscious mind with repeated information that is related to your goal and visualizing and emotionalizing through repetition is going to do something very profound. And you know, I know this from personal experience and I've talked to many people that have gone through this. You'll start to notice that your behaviors are automatic. You'll start to do things automatically. Things that required willpower to do that were optimal behaviors now start to happen automatically. Some very powerful stuff. You'll still have to take action because I believe when it comes to reprogramming the subconscious mind, we got to use the three modalities, mental, physical, and emotional. Mental, as in we got to visualize and imagine ourselves already achieving the success, doing the things that we will be doing when we achieve the results. Emotionalize, we got to create the burning desire. Okay, those elements program the subconscious mind. You got to have the emotion in there. The subconscious mind responds very favorably to emotion. Okay, this is why in certain kinds of therapy and psychoanalytics, they go back and they look at a person's emotional experience and they rewrite the meaning of the emotional experience. And then physical, actually taking action towards the result. This brings us to our next point, which is called faith. You see, when you take action on something, you're demonstrating faith. You're de demonstrating faith towards your vision. So you've got it conceptualized, you have it emotionalized, and now you're taking action. You are in alignment. You are congruent. And when you do this with repetition, those behaviors start to become automatic. They start to become easy. What was once considered to be challenging now through repetition has become easy and fun and blissful. And speak from personal experience and many that I've talked to, those that are very consistent in eating healthy and going to the gym and doing optimal business practices, it's repetition for them over and over again and they're congruent and they're doing it with ease, fun, and bliss. 
Power of faith. The fourth premise is that any dominating desire, plan, or purpose, which is backed by the state of mind known as faith, is taken over by the subconscious section of the mind and acted upon immediately. Faith is the only state of mind that will produce immediate action in the subconscious mind. By faith, I'm not talking about mere reference to wishing or hoping or mildly believing or any of those things. I'm making reference to the state of mind wherein where, wherever there it is that you, you're going to do, you see it already in a finished act before you even begin it. Every action you take towards your goal, we've got to ask ourselves, are we full-stepping it? Are you half-stepping it? And what I mean by that is, is your thoughts, your emotions, and your physical, are they all aligned when you're taking that action? When you're moving forward, do you feel the congruence within yourself? If you don't feel the congruence, then you're not doing it with faith. You haven't cultivated faith. Now, faith is an interesting discussion because I believe that with faith, practice, you can cultivate it. The last video I did, I recommend you watch it, is Magic of Faith by Joseph Murphy. You'll learn more about cultivating faith in there. But the key is this. we got to have congruence. Okay? So when we think something and when we say something and when we do it, we practice congruence. Always be the kind of person who, when you say something, you get excited about it and you do it. That's how you cultivate faith. If you're the kind of person that says stuff but never sees it through completion, you are not practicing faith. You don't actually believe in what you're talking about. You are lowering your self-esteem in the process. Your self-confidence goes down. And this process is not going to work for you. Now, here's the power. If you're congruent and your thoughts, your words, and your actions are in alignment, you're practicing faith and you're programming the subconscious mind. It's going to be easier for you to program your subconscious mind. And again, why would you want to program your subconscious mind? Well, by programming your subconscious mind, your behaviors are automatic. Think of individuals who come from a certain walk of life and they're exposed to certain kinds of, you know, maybe religious organizations or certain kinds of organizations, and all of a sudden they're acting totally different. Their subconscious mind has been programmed by the process, perhaps an indoctrination process or whatever, and now all of a sudden they're different people. That's the power of the subconscious mind right there. This is enormous amount of power. If we know where we're going, we can program ourselves with the information to get there. This is what I've done in my own life, and this is why it's important that we really pay attention and value this information here. Premise number five, the power of thought. The fifth premise is the power of thought. The only thing which any human being has complete and unquestionable means of control. This is so outstanding that it connotes a close relationship between the mind of man and infinite intelligence. So the only thing you have control over is how you believe a situation to be. You can give whatever meaning you want. You don't have to listen to the meaning that everyone else gives a situation. You can create your own meaning. Now, if you're programmed to pay attention to everyone else or you've had past situations where you give certain meaning, to certain situations, then by all means, you're going to end up defaulting because that's programmed in your subconscious mind. But you can always question the meaning. You can exercise that. You can train yourself to question every meaning you give to every situation and ask yourself, is it an empowering meaning or a disempowering meaning? You always got to ask yourself, where are your thoughts coming from? Are these empowering thoughts? Are you listening to yourself? Do you have a connection within to infinite intelligence? Are you, as Steve Jobs mentioned 
listening to your own inner voice, your intuition, or letting the noise of other people's opinions drown out your own inner voice, what is it that you're doing? So you have control over that. And when you know how this works, you're going to start questioning every thought that comes your way. People will share stuff with you, and if it doesn't resonate with you, you don't have to believe it. Have the self-confidence to really apply some critical thinking and check within yourself with your feelings and so forth. Apply both critical thinking and your intuition to really determine if it's something that is going to move you forward or not. And if it's not, you don't have to believe it. See, you control your thoughts. The discussion we did on Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl shows an amazing, powerful situation, scenario of unimaginable magnitude where human beings were able to control their thoughts. In situations where it would seem to most people as an impossibility, they were able to do it. So chances are most of us are not in those kind of situations. And therefore, we have a lot of control as to how we look at a situation. One of my favorite sayings, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And you have control of your thoughts. Now, it's important to pay attention to your self-talk the thoughts you have about different experiences in your life. Because this is revealing to you the programming that's in your subconscious mind that may not have been put in there, most likely not intentionally, especially if it's disempowering. And if you've got some of that disempowering beliefs or thoughts that are in your subconscious mind that tend to bubble up whenever you think about another person or a situation or success or whatever, know that you can rewrite that meaning. You can rewrite that through repetition of affirmative thoughts, and surrounding yourself with supporting information. Soon you'll start to believe the supporting information, the empowering information, and you'll have control of your thoughts. Premise number six, subconscious link to infinite intelligence. The subconscious section of the mind is the only doorway to, of individual approach to infinite intelligence, and it is capable of influence by the individual through this means described in the subject of this lesson. The basic approach is faith based upon definiteness of purpose. This one sentence gives you the key to this premise. Faith based upon definiteness of purpose. So the concept of infinite intelligence might not make sense to those that don't believe that something like this exists. But truth be told that anyone that has ever been inspired or has received some kind of profound understanding felt that they had gotten this message from someplace beyond. Now, the only way to really understand how this works is to be in faith, to really have the congruence knowing that you can create something that is in your vision. When you get a vision, when you have faith that you can create that and you conduct and you carry yourself from that place, you'll start to tap into all kinds of interesting information. You'll start to realize things that you never did before. You will start to learn to trust yourself. And you will know how to program your subconscious mind to get access to more and more of this kind of breakthrough thinking and information. This is done, again, by taking control of your subconscious mind. And the way we do this is through definiteness of purpose. To realize exactly what you want, be very specific and clear about it. And even if you're not totally clear about it, to start somewhere, anywhere. And then go to work with aligning yourself, reprogramming your subconscious mind towards achievement of that goal, and then watch your creativity soar. Watch how you will get hunches and inspirations and all kinds of ideas that will come seemingly out of nowhere. This is what Napoleon Hill was talking about in this section. And in order to experience this, 
Absolutely, you must start with definiteness of purpose. And you must believe, first of all, that it is possible to reprogram your subconscious mind because that gives you power right there. And you must practice what we've talked about when it comes to faith. So congruence, your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions are in alignment. That's what we're talking about when we're speaking with faith. Think about this. We've all experienced this. When you've acted in faith, you figured out a way to make it work. When you acted with hesitation and doubt, chances are it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. But during the times when you acted with faith, miraculously everything just seemed to be different, even how others responded to you. This is very important. The law of state transference. If you act in faith, others will receive that faith. They will awaken to it, and then there's going to be a connection right there. Premise number seven, the brain as a thought transmitter. Your mind is sending out vibrations constantly. If you're a salesman and you're going to call on a prospective buyer, the sale ought to be made before you ever come in presence of the buyer. If you're going to do anything requiring the cooperation of other people, condition your mind so that you know the other fellow is going to cooperate. Why? Because the plan that you're going to offer is so fair, honest, and beneficial to him that he can't refuse it. See, when you come from a place of integrity, honesty, and providing good service, this stuff is right all going to support you through and through. Because inherently, we're good people. Deep down inside, all people are good. People start to do manipulative things and hurt other people because they think that's the only way to get results. If you believe that, then perish the thoughts because you can achieve success with peace of mind by being fair, honest, and benefiting other human beings. Anyone who has ever created long-term sustainable success has done this, and they were able to do this with peace of mind. Okay, they didn't have to worry about who's going to come back and get them and all paranoia and all these kinds of things, which will eventually eat the person up from the inside out and destroy the subconscious mind, resulting in all kinds of mental issues and all kinds of things that will manifest in a person's life when they contribute to doing things unethically, when they do things in a dishonest way. So if you are fair, you're honest, and you're looking to actively benefit the lives of people and your product or service improves the lives of others, then there's no reason why you should not act in faith. A congruence, when you're reaching out to people, mentally, emotionally, and physically realizing that it's a benefit to them to sell them on the product or service. That is a noble thing to do. They are going to win. They're going to pay you. They're going to win. You're going to win. And it's a benefit. When you do this, law of state transference, this is what we're talking about, brain as a thought transmitter, you transfer that congruence, that faith over to another person. And then all kinds of powerful things start to happen. Now, that's principle number one, definiteness of purpose. Remember that, definiteness of purpose, faith and congruence, very important. Principle number three, because I didn't bring, I didn't want to talk about all the principles, I'm just going to pull the ones that I feel are valuable here for the discussions that we've been having, applied faith. Faith is a state of mind that is called the mainspring of the mainspring of the soul, to which one's aims, desires, plans, and purposes may be translated into their physical or financial equivalent. There are the fundamentals of faith, but by applied faith, I'm talking about something vastly different here from mere belief. The word applied faith means what? Action. It's the action part of faith. Without action, faith is nothing but just daydreaming. 
There are a lot of people who believe in things but don't do anything about them, engaging only in daydreaming. Applied faith is an act of faith. See, if you've got faith in your goals and your visions, then you're not going to have any problem taking action, moving forward, taking the step forward, making the decision, moving forward, even if you don't know the outcome. You trust. And ask anybody who's ever created any success. They didn't know exactly how they were going to get there, but they did know that they were going to get there because they had faith. And they took steps. And they learn from every steps. So let's talk about some elements of applied faith. Number one, every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent benefit. Temporary defeat is not failure until it is accepted as such. Temporary defeat is not failure until it is accepted as such. Now that's worth repeating over and over again. What prevents people from making accelerated progress or any progress at all, or even achieving success, even getting even close to it, is they accept temporary defeat as the final. That's it. They believe they've tried everything. I can sit with anybody, absolutely. I've done this with many businesses. I've sat down with them and they revealed to me why their business didn't succeed. Any business that failed and, you know, temporary defeat, I call it, not failed, but they see it as failed. And I could look at thousands and thousands of things that they didn't do because they never seek specialized knowledge. They never seek counsel. They never went out and looked at all the possible alternative ways of doing things. And when they accept defeat and they just kind of throw in the towel, well, they're doing something that is damaging to their subconscious mind. They're saying that faith is not possible. Like this, what we're talking about here is not possible, and they submit to it. And it will manifest in other areas of their life. Let's say they started the business and then they quit because for whatever reason they associated temporary defeat as that the buy-all, end-all. And they decided to go back to work. Well, they're going to take that same energy and attitude into the job that they're doing. And it's going to manifest again and again and again. It will continue manifesting for their entire life until they accept the truth that everything can be optimized. There are tons and possible, many, many, many different ways, options, opportunities to move forward. And it's just that we don't have the tenacity or whatever we want to call it. I, I have, there's many things, many things, reasons why a person just won't move forward. But however, to accept that it can't happen without looking at all the various possibilities that exist and seeking counsel and seeking counsel from those that are successful without doing that, you don't really know that there was a possibility to succeed and probably many different possibilities to succeed. So when you look at it from this perspective that every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent benefit, when you encounter temporary defeat, you start to look at things differently. You say, okay, this is an opportunity here. This is an opportunity for me to evaluate things and to go out and research and find out how to move forward from this in part as a whole or, or as a whole. See, in a business, I like to look at everything in parts and the whole. There's your business, your end result, your product or service, and all the different parts in the process that make up the whole. Everything from marketing to selling, lead generation, conversion, all the different points. Someone who doesn't understand and really has faith, it's very apparent. Because if things don't work out, they start looking for some mediocre uh, reason to blame, 
somebody else or the market or whatever, but they don't take the responsibility to realize that they never broke everything down into its components and optimize it because they didn't have faith in themselves. And when they don't have faith in themselves and they don't have faith, their subconscious mind is going to manifest those truths with their disempowering truths. Number two, applied faith requires the habit of affirming one's definite major purpose in the form of a prayer at least once daily. So if they don't have faith towards the end result of success, probably what they're not doing is programming their subconscious mind to have faith in the end result. Through repetition and consuming the information that leads to generating more and more faith towards the end result, when they get to a point where they experience temporary defeat, they start to look at things differently. They will not accept the temporary defeat. They will move forward. Number three, recognition of the existence of an infinite intelligence that gives order to the vast entire universe. Everything is connected. Everyone is connected. All beings and everything is connected. And we all share information, and this information always existed and always will exist. And we draw upon it creative solutions, ideas, and so forth from various different places. The key is, do we really believe that this is so? If you believe that there is a source of information that will keep giving you ideas, optimization, will draw people to you, then you open up the possibility for that to happen. And then you realize that anything you do in faith taps you into this infinite intelligence. And those that I've met, including myself, who believe in the concept of infinite intelligence, will consistently and always find solutions to problems where others can't see because they have faith that they're going to get access to it. Now, this is covered extensively in Think and Grow Rich. Infinite intelligence. Your ability to connect to it means that you apply all the principles and you go about your day-to-day -day work with faith, programming your subconscious mind with the affirmations, in whatever shape or form, repeatedly, and you make optimizations daily, taking action, active faith, as we discussed, knowing that when you come across temporary defeat or adversity, you are going to move forward. The belief that everything you're doing is going to allow you to move forward past that, you're going to get the idea. Now, this takes an enormous amount of self-confidence. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about faith in the unknown. Most people do not have the ability to generate faith in the unknown. They don't have the confidence to generate faith in the unknown. But they have experienced situations in their life where they've relied upon something that they knew they were going to produce the results, but they didn't know how. That's essentially them believing in the unknown. Now, when you practice this more often, it becomes very obvious to you, very obvious. So again, going back to you know Steve Jobs' commencement speech, he said, don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. What do you think he was talking about when he said inner voice? Now, if Steve Jobs were to say something like that, and countless successful people say something like that, then there's probably some merit to it. And perhaps that's one of the key differentiating factors that determines whether a person is going to achieve it or not. Their ability to tap into infinite intelligence to be able to draw the various solutions, problems, and different elements into their reality to overcome the temporary defeat or whatever it is that is holding them back from moving forward. Number four, going the extra mile. 
Going the extra mile means rendering of more service and better service than you're paid to render, doing it all the time and doing it with a pleasing, pleasant mental attitude. Now, this is some powerful stuff because many people operate reality with, I'll do this for you, and if I don't get what I want back out of it, then that's it. And as a result, you can only look at the reality and see that they don't really have much. They don't, they don't get a lot of things because that's not how it works. What you put out always comes back to you. Okay, Law of compensation and law of increasing returns. We'll talk about that in a moment. And we might think in earlier stages of the journey that we're doing enough. The truth is you're always getting back what you put out. And if you don't believe this to be true, true you only do some research and then you'll start to see how this is true. Ask different people, realize from your own self, you might be thinking that what value is to you is value to the other person, but that's just delusional. Value is to the other person what value is to them. And our goal is to create value based on what's valuable for them. And the more value we can give them for them, the more returns we're going to get from the most unexpected sources. It may show up from those individuals, it may show up from other individuals. But the goal is this, is to always be going the extra mile no matter what. Be the first person to say good morning. Be the first person to say something positive. When you're doing work, do more than what you're paid for. Give more. Do it with a pleasant, pleasing mental attitude. And what you'll notice is the rewards will start coming up. The opportunities will show up. People will start to notice this, and you will start to create more results. And the results are going to come in proportion to how much extra you're going to do. See, that's the premise of entrepreneurship. Because in entrepreneurship, no one is telling you to go out and start a business. For the most part, no one's going to say, hey, go out and start a business. When you go out and start your business, you're going the extra mile. You're taking an initiative of going out and creating some products and services that are valuable for the marketplace. You're already going the extra mile. Then when you go out there, and you research the market and you connect with people and so forth, and you start to figure out what's valuable for them and you go and create it, you're going further the extra mile. And provided that that what you're selling, your product or service is valuable for them, people will start buying. And the more value you create, the more people will buy. And now all of a sudden you've gone, you've gone ahead and created a very thriving business. You've gone the extra mile because where others needed permission you didn't wait for permission. You just went the extra mile. You took the step forward. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur to do this. You could do this with your career. And notice this. Let's say you're in an organization, you're working, and you're going the extra mile, and it's not being received, and you are concretely keep amping up the extra mile. Something interesting will happen. You're going to get another opportunity. Someone else will show up and give you another job. You're going to get another idea. And if you're not receiving the rewards over there, you're going to go into another place, and you're going to receive the rewards there, and plus that what you had invested in the first company called the law of compensation. So what is it? It doesn't always come back from the source in which you rendered the service. See, this is an interesting world we live in. Whatever you put out comes back to you. See, this entire world, it's, it's your internal reality being projected on your external. And whatever you put out comes back to you because that's how it is. If you dislike somebody, you just need to evaluate why is it you dislike that person and you'll realize you're doing that same thing. It's true with everything. This is a mirror. And thus, whatever you put out will come back to you. It doesn't always come back from the source in which you rendered the service. Don't be afraid to render the service to a greedy buyer or a greedy employer. 
It makes no difference to whom you render the service. If you render it in good faith and in good spirit and keep doing it as a matter of habit, it's equally impossible for you not to be compensated as it is to be compensated. Therefore, you don't have to be careful about the person to whom you render it. In fact, apply this principle with everybody, no matter who it is, strangers, acquaintances, businesses, associates, and relatives also. Now, in Power Versus Force and Letting Go by David Hawkins, I refer to this a lot. You've got all levels of consciousness. And in the higher states of consciousness, you've got unconditional love and acceptance. You see, when you operate from a place of unconditional love and acceptance, you're giving. You're giving a lot of value, and value comes back to you. You won't find yourself in front of the people that take advantage of you. If you find yourself in front of the people that take advantage of you, maybe you are being conditional. Okay, just question that. Maybe you are being conditional. And by being conditional, you're being taught the value and importance of being unconditional. If you want to get to a high level of success, the goal is to be unconditional. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to get taken advantage of because, as mentioned, you're going to find yourself in front of the right people. It's going to be very apparent to you when you are being giving and unconditional and from a place of abundance and from a place of acceptance when people are not being like that. And you're just going to choose not to go there. Law of increasing returns. The law of increasing returns means that you will get more than you give out, whether it's good or bad, whether it's positive or negative. That way, the, that's the way the law of nature works. Whatever you give out, whatever you do for another person, or whatever you give out from yourself comes back to you greatly multiplied in kind. No exception whatsoever. It doesn't always come back very quickly. Sometimes it takes longer than you expect. But you may be sure that if you send out some negative influence, it's going to come back to you sooner or later. You may not recognize what caused it, but it will come back. It won't overlook you. So the goal here is to always be in positive harmony. And the way we do this is by going the extra mile. If someone's being disrespectful towards you, you don't need to be disrespectful back. You can ask yourself, why, do you, why are you in that situation? And you can, you can make choices accordingly. But surround yourself with people who you can abundantly give value to and enjoy giving value to because you want to. And if you're excessively disrespected by people, just don't be around those people. But right now, you might only be around people that, given your current circumstance, where maybe some are good and some are not so good. Continue to practice going the extra mile in every shape and form, and then you're going to find yourself eventually not in that situation. That's how this stuff works. Why does it work? Because what we're talking about is faith here, okay? And we're not just having blind faith. We're having faith in our definiteness of purpose. Again, you got to have definiteness of purpose for all this stuff to work. you got to know where you're going. Otherwise, things are just going to seem random, and you're just... Not going to know what this stuff that it is that I'm talking about or what's covered in this book or what the meanings are of the various experiences you have. And then you act in faith and congruence knowing that's going to come back to you. That includes growing the extra mile. Why? Because if you want to create wealth, and this book is your right to be rich, you have the right to be rich and you have control of being rich and wealthy. It requires doing more than others will do. You do not get rich by doing less you do more. Now, some might work less, you know, such as in the concept of four-hour work week, but they've, because they've figured out ways of optimizing their business systems and so forth to put out the value with less input, it still remains so. Going the extra mile means greater output. You can come up with creative ways of creating greater output and value without having to do long, arduous, hard work. It's all about the value you create. It's not about 
how much time and energy you put into it. It's more about the value you create. Once you get better at this, you'll be able to reduce the amount of energy and time you put into something, and you'll get greater returns. This is not because you're slacking off, but rather because what you're putting out is still of high value, if not multiples of high value, as a result of efficient systems. Number five, pleasing personality. Pleasing personality. The first trait of a pleasing personality always is a positive mental attitude because nobody wants to be around a person who's negative. No matter what other traits you may have, if you don't have a positive mental attitude, you're not going to be considered to have a pleasing personality. So this is why it's important to ensure that we are programming our subconscious mind with positive information. We're surrounding ourselves with positive people, circumstances, situations, information, and so forth, because what you program in your subconscious mind is going to be reflected in the way you communicate. If you're sur surrounded by positivity, it's not hard to be positive. You will be positive in situations around people who may seem a little negative, but they're going to look up to and admire you because you always look at the positivity. And then they're going to want to do business with you. They're going to want to hang out with you because you make them feel good. Nobody likes hanging around with people that make them feel bad. The next trait is flexibility, okay, which is the ability to bend and adjust to varying circumstances of life without going down under them. A lot of people in this world are too stuck in their habits and they're very rigid and in their mental attitude. And they cannot adjust to anything that's unpleasant or anything they don't agree with. Okay? So flexibility means that you don't have to accept another person's viewpoint as your own. Just seek to understand. Okay? Just listen to people and know where they're coming from. Because when you do that, you, you can understand how to work with them in varying scenarios. But it's more about the energy and how you carry yourself. Okay? You can tell when you're talking to somebody who's very rigid and, and they're trying to corner you into having a discussion in a certain linear pathway, and it's very unpleasant. And if you're doing that, people are feeling unpleasant. Now, if you're flexible, it's actually a sign of high level of confidence because you're accepting. You have faith that you're going to create everything you want, and you realize that everything in your environment is teaching you about yourself. And you got flexibility because you can learn a thing or two from them, and it's not going to sway you off course. And your pleasing personality is more likely to engage a partnership or a deal with that person that may lead to an opportunity, whereas others who bring their rigidity will scare off that deal. So you don't have to, have, you don't have to deal with someone who's 100% perfect all the time. Everybody's got areas in their life that they're continuously improving on. But if you've got flexibility and a positive personality, positive mental attitude, you open up more doors. And then you can find people and you can understand how to deal with them so you can make the objective happen, the end result, whatever it is, while working with the parts of them that are in harmony with you. Number three, a pleasing tone of voice is an important thing that you can experiment with. A pleasing tone of voice. A lot of people have harsh tones. They have nasal tones or something in their tone of voice that irritates other people. A monotonous speaker, for instance, who does not have personal magnetism and does not know how to fine-tune and pitch the tone of his voice will never get his audience in a million years. So this is being able to communicate in a way where people listen to you. And I like to take this a step further. I don't like to communicate to sound nice. I like to communicate in a way that creates behavioral change, as in it inspires the listener to take an action. And I learned this from selling, and I learned this from just marketing in general, that you don't communicate unless there is a influencing of a decision that's win-win and is going to re result to an outcome. You never can communicate because you want to sound nice and so forth. So I don't go there. 
A keen sense of humor, it's another one, means you have a good disposition. If you don't have it, you have to cultivate it so that you can adjust to all the unpleasant things that come along in life without taking them too seriously. So when you're conversing and you're dealing with people, having a sense of humor and lightening it up every now and then in the conversations keeps the conversation flowing and moving forward. It releases tension and opens up for further discussion. Next, nobody likes a person who is obviously insincere, insincere in what he does, who's trying to be something that he's not, who's saying something he doesn't represent, his inner thoughts. It's not as bad as out and out lying, but it's the first cousin to it, lacking sincerity of purpose. We're talking about sincerity of purpose. Being sincere, being real, being honest, and being who you are. Now, when we talk about being who you are, understand something. You're constantly going to be improving. You're constantly going to be growing, and you're going to get more and more success. The goal here is to keep it real. Do not be insincere and fake, because if you are going to be like that, people can pick up on that. And they're probably not going to tell you that they're, that they're picking up on it, but they're going to know. And they're not going to want to do that deep of a deal with you. They'll probably deal with you in a surface level, but they sense your insincerity, and it's not going to help you. So it's better to be sincere, honest, upfront, and be real while continuously working on yourself, while continuously growing so that you can improve your communication, improve, improve your value proposition, expand your knowledge and understanding, and do it in a, in a very organic way. If you do it, there's probably going to be, if you do it this way that I'm mentioning, there's probably going to be some people out there who will help you or mentor you or, or whatever based on your sincerity based on that, because that's a good attitude to have. And that makes you pleasant to be around. And they know that if they work with you or whatever, that it's going to be a pleasing process. It's not going to be stressful. Nobody can be truly well-liked and have a truly pleasing personality who always puts off making a decision. So we're talking about decision-making. And he has all the facts before him and ought to, be, ought to make the decision on the spot. So decisiveness is a valuable skill. Being decisiveness is a kind of personality that is magnetic. It shows confidence. You don't have to make the perfect decision, but if you know where you're going and we know where we're going, we got definiteness of purpose, it's easier to make decisions. You will know that there's all these choices and you can pick whatever you want based on your goal and you'll take the choice that serves you best. And that ease of making decisions and choosing situations, circumstances, whatever, as a result of the interaction makes the other person feel comfortable and confident as well. They too want to move forward. Everybody enjoys, in the context of wealth creation and business and so forth and entrepreneurship, being around people who are decisive and know where they're going. They open up the channels and they move things forward. Things don't remain stagnant. Conversations with them are organized, are to the point. They're still smooth and, you know, there's a pleasing tone and the humor and all that kind of stuff. However, we're still moving forward. And everything is still moving forward. I don't know of anything as wonderful as having true humility of heart. So now we're talking about humility. And by the way, these are some of the points that I pulled out of the various points that he shared on pleasing personality. I recommend reading the book if you want to learn about the other points. I don't know of anyone anything as wonderful as having true humility of the heart. So we're talking about humility here. There are times where I do have to criticize people, even some of the people I'm working with. 
If it is necessary for me to express disapproval or anything of anything anyone does, I silently say to myself, so they don't hear it, God pity us all. I know that, but for the grace of God, I'd be the man that I'd be criticizing. Maybe I've done things 10 times as bad as the thing I'm criticizing him for. In other words, I try to remain or maintain the sense of humility in my heart. Regardless of what happens to me, that's unpleasant. And regardless of how successful I am, I observe this feeling of humility of my heart. So to no matter where you rise up to in wealth and success, it's important to always maintain a level of humility. And if you don't do that, then all of a sudden the people that you acquired that helped you on your journey or the abundant of more people that you're going to connect with and they're going to grow with you, are going to show up, are not going to resonate with you because now all of a sudden you've let success get to your head and you think you're better than everyone else. And the truth is that nobody's better than anyone else. We're just all working together in various shapes and forms. And everybody's role and everything they do is important and we all need to work together. In fact, if it wasn't for people working together in the backgrounds or from your obvious knowing that people are working together, you wouldn't achieve the success you want. We're all working together. And that's what we're talking about when we say humility. Humility is presented in the person's energy and their body language and their voice tonality and when they're interacting with people. Okay, so Really, really successful people who have a high level of success who have humility and thus don't have a ceiling to how high they can go are kind to everyone. Okay, Not just when they're talking to you, they're kind to the waitress, they're kind to... Uh, everywhere, everywhere they go, they're just kind because they see the world, which is how it is, as a reflection of who they are. And if the world is a reflection of who they are, they're not going to treat the world badly. This is how, again, we practice the process and discipline of going the extra mile. See, all these things are very integrated, and there's many different elements in the principles, but they're all integrated, which lead to creating the success and wealth. Now let's talk about positive mental attitude. Nothing constructive and worthy of a man's effort ever has been or ever will be achieved except that which comes from a positive mental attitude based on definiteness of purpose, activated by a burning desire and intensified until the burning desire is elevated to the plane of applied faith. Why? Because when you've got faith, then you've got congruence. Your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions are in alignment. And when you start operating that way from that place of definite enough purpose and you know where you're going, you're going to start to automatically manifest positive thinking and positive behaviors because your emotions, you're excited, and you're more likely to gravitate towards positivity that's moving you forward towards your goal. Let's talk about some obstacles to positive thinking. The tendency of negative self to maneuver for power over you the tendency of the negative self to maneuver for power over you, in other words, negative self-talk, or any kinds of limiting beliefs and ideologies that pop up that we continue to harvest and cultivate on this journey, accumulated fears, doubts, and self-imposed limitations. Again, we got to rewrite these. These are all indicators on our journey towards achieving the result that we've got to be aware of and rewrite the meaning of with empowering ideas, moving towards fear and overcoming fears and so forth, Negative influences, especially negative people. As I was saying, you are the sum of the five that you associate with. It's very important to recognize who you are associating with because you're taking in that energy. And you don't have to look down upon people and hate people. You got to realize that everybody is in different stages and they want different things in life. 
what we're interested in is producing results. And we do it from a place of acceptance. Okay, we accept that people see the reality the way they do It doesn't mean we buy into their reality, we just make choices accordingly. Intolerance and lack of open mind, because again, this goes back to the previous point, we've got to keep an open mind to other people's viewpoints and how they see reality. That's a lot of information and a lot of learning that we can gather from someone that doesn't see reality the way they do, the way that we do. And having an open mind and, and seeing things from their perspective actually helps us move forward towards your goal. See, when you've got a definite as a purpose, you start to see how everything in reality is either contributing towards your goal or not. And more and more things, actually, you realize that contribute towards your goal when you keep an open mind. Greed for more material possessions than you need. So this is where you, you get into the space of when you're achieving success and you get greedy and you want to take away from people so that you can have more, like literally lie, cheat, steal, take advantage of people. Okay, that's greed. And what you're doing is you're reinforcing scarcity in your subconscious mind by the very act of doing that. And when you reinforce scarcity, it will manifest in some shape or form. Paranoia, all kinds of different things will happen because what you put out comes back to you. Lack of a definite major purpose. Okay, so drifting. He talks about this in Outwitting the Devil. If you haven't read that book, I put a link in the description. I did a discussion on it. We got to know where we're going. Definite major purpose. And every point in our life, we can change our purpose around, but we got to be moving in some direction. Otherwise, we're drifting. And when you're drifting, you're more likely to engage in negative thinking. Lack of definite philosophy by which to live and guide your life. If you haven't read Principles by Ray Dalio, I recommend reading it. I did a discussion on that. I'll put a link in the description. You've got to have principles and a philosophy in life. I mean, if you adopt the philosophy in Think and Grow Rich and all the principles in there, then you're set for achieving success. You don't have to make this very complicated. There are some basics and fundamentals. For me, when I do anything, I always have to ask myself, is this something that I'm going to have fun and enjoy doing? Number two, is it going to lead to my goals and success? And number three, does it contribute towards a bigger person, evolution, and infinite intelligence and the service of others? And this is true for friends, for business deals, for everything that I do, because you can always see the connect, how it connects to these three things. I mean, that's one of my philosophies. And within my philosophy, I've got a number of different philosophies that are true to me. A lot of them I've shared on this channel. Once you have a philosophy that's win-win, it's not scarcity-based, it's abundance-based, you can create beliefs and ideologies knowing that it'll always come from a good place, that it'll be service to yourself in fair business dealing and service to others. And you'll always operate from a place of win-win, as Stephen R. Covey puts it in Seven Habits. Principle 10, controlled attention. So now that you know what your definite purpose is, or you're in the process of creating and cultivating it, you understand about faith and how everything is teaching you about how you're moving forward towards your goal or not, it's important to put your attention and concentrate your attention on creating the success in your life, ensuring that you're not being distracted or drifting. I've never known a successful person in the upper brackets of success, no matter what they're calling, that hadn't had to acquire great potential powers of concentration in order to achieve their success. I'm talking about highly focused attention upon one thing at a time. The truth is you can only do one thing at a time till completion. There's a few things that you can multitask, like maybe you can listen to a podcast while walking. But when it comes down to doing what needs to get done to move the objective forward, the work that you have to do, practicing focus and concentration is very important. You know, if you haven't watched Deep Work by Cal Newport, recommend watching that, put a link in the description. 
it's important to realize that this is a journey. And so you're going to be doing things. You're going to be taking action. You're going to be applying various different things that move you forward towards your goal. That's an opportunity to practice concentration, to exercise willpower, to practice focus. Because if you do that, you'll cultivate the ability to have concentration and focus. And you'll be able to, when you create the result, the wealth result, you'll be able to apply that to other areas of life. You'll find yourself not being distracted. I'm very blessed that I had learned this from an early stage in life. And I'm at the point right now where I have a, a probably an insane amount of focus. When I'm interested in something and I'm focused, nothing will take my attention off it. I'm, it's like a lockjaw. It's on there and it's going to stay on there. I cultivated it. I used to be very distracted. So with practice and repetition of exercising focus, one thing at a time, and using techniques like the Pomodoro method, I did a video on it a long time ago. I'll put a link on the Pomodoro method and how it works. When you've learned to concentrate on one thing at a time, you have learned to key yourself up, to see yourself already in possession of that thing you're concentrating on. So when you're focusing on your goal and you're doing your affirmations and you're concentrating on your vision, and as a result, different behaviors and actions manifest and you start doing things, concentrating on those actions is a form of faith. Doing them is a form of faith. And it is an indicator that you believe you are already in possession of that thing you're acquiring because that's how it works. The subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. When your subconscious mind sees that you're doing things that are in alignment with the vision, you come up with even more supporting evidence, information, you draw more things into your reality that match. Concentration requires a definiteness of purpose in such proportion that it becomes an obsession. There's no use to having a motive unless you put obsession of desire or obsession of purpose in back of it. You got to get so excited about this that it's got to consume you and everything you do because that's a burning desire. We're not talking about just wishing or people do things like that. They don't achieve high level of success. You got to get absolutely focused and obsessed with your definite purpose. Why? Because doing it is the most considerate and valuable thing you could do for others. Because our definite purpose is including serving others, the results, building a business, creating wealth. You serve others through the products and services and the service you rendered in the process. And so it's important to do it. It's important to be obsessed about being in service to others. And in the process, winning and benefiting for yourself, wealth and success. And what's more important than that? What's the difference between an ordinary purpose or desire than and an obsess, obsessional desire? The word intensity is fitting here. In other words, to wish or hope for a thing isn't enough to cause anything to happen. However, if you put a burning desire, obsession, desired back of in the back of a thing, why it moves you into action, attracts you to others, and attracts you to all that you need in order to fulfill that desire. Self-discipline is the watchman that keeps action moving in the right direction. Even when the going is difficult, that's when you need self-discipline. The most, when you need, when, when you meet the opposition or when the conditions and circumstances that you got cut through are difficult. You've got to cut through are difficult. Self-discipline. Every now and then you might catch yourself swaying, of course. You've got to catch yourself right then and there and go back towards your definite purpose. And when you do this with repetition, you become better at it. Accurate thinking, this is also important, prevents daydreaming and focuses on the creation of plans. Do you know what the most, do you know that most of the so-called thinking is nothing but daydreaming or hoping or wishing? That's what it is. 
There are a lot of people in this world who spend the vast majority of their time daydreaming, hoping, wishing, and thinking about things. But they never take any physical or concrete mental action carrying out their plans. They're not mapping their plans. They're not strategizing. They're not evaluating. They're not focusing on their goals. They're not questioning how everything that they do and all the information that they're consuming is moving them forward towards the successful, worthwhile goal that benefits themselves and others. They're not questioning these things. And finally, cooperation, number 13, because the truth is this. You're going to be working with people. And so as a result of working with people, you're able to create success in your life. So there are two kinds of cooperation, one based upon force or coercion, and the other is based upon voluntary action and is driven by motive. So we're interested in the second. We're interested in being driven by motive and driving others through motive. So how do we do this? Number one is opportunity. The opportunity to get increased comp compensation and promote and promotion is one of the most outstanding motives for gaining friendly cooperation. Whenever that motive has been put into use in any business, there's always a very beneficial and a very profitable return. So when you're dealing with people, we always have to make sure that we create situations where they're doing what they do that leads to increased comprehension, not comprehension, compensation and promotion. They'll get more results. They'll be rewarded for what they're doing. And we're taking ownership and leadership to guide them towards that direction. We're interested in having them increase their compensation. Why? Because if you're a business owner and you have a good grasp of the financial aspects of your business and you know your numbers, then you know that somebody who puts out more value into the marketplace as a result of working for you brings in more income. It's concrete like that. And thus, they deserve to be rewarded with bonuses and compensation to match. It's like that. So the more we can get them to increase their value and their output and support them, the more value they will put out into the marketplace and the more money we'll receive and we can compensate them a percentage of that money. It's earned. Number two, recognition. So it's not just about compensation and promotion. What about recognition? recognizing, valuing people, and appreciating them for the great and outstanding work they do. Being recognized for a personal initiative, a pleasing personality, or outstanding work is a strong motive to inspire cooperation. Give a person recognition when he does a great job and say so, and do something about it. Okay? Recognizing and recognizing regularly. This keeps a person motivated and keeps them interested in dealing with you. They're not just doing it because... People are complex. They're not just in it for the money. They're in it for things like well-being. They want to grow. They want to acquire new skills. They have hopes and dreams outside of working with you. And the recognition for all that they do that contributes to your vision and the recognition of all that they're doing and helping them realize of how it's contributing to their vision is going to pay off in dividends as far as relationship building in the long term. Motive number three personal interest and helplessness or helpfulness, personal interest and helpfulness. A powerful motive for gaining friendly cooperation is to take an interest in the problems of people that you're associated with or working with and help them solve their problems. A lot of people say, my problems are mine, but the other fellow's problems are his. I'm not interested in that. You have the right to do that if you want to, but I can tell you that attitude won't be beneficial to you 
and it won't be profitable either. If you want to have a lot of friends and a lot of cooperation, you'll make it your business to look around and whatever you can start being of help to people. See, when you are working with people and you and they begin to reveal to you the various issues and situations happening in life and you learn how to solve these problems, now you're building something even more powerful. You're building them up at deep levels and that is going to result in them wanting to contribute even more. And so when we think, okay, well, that's their problem and this is, this is what I'm doing, and you deal with these people every day and you don't look for ways to go in and resolve their problems, not by being intrusive, but actually learning how to become a better leader and developing yourself. And see, this is why all these things we're talking about, yeah, it takes focus, it takes discipline, and it takes the desire to want to grow holistically. However, when you're consumed with this kind of stuff, then you're not going to waste your time with other kinds of information that have nothing to do with contributing to your purpose. All this stuff, including dealing with people, cooperation, contributes to your vision. And the better you get at all these things, the faster you achieve success and the more likely you achieve success and the more often you can replicate this over and over again. Motive number four, friendly competition. You can create a system of friendly competition between departments and between individuals within the same in in a department. In either case, the system is based on friendly cooperation. In a sales organization, for instance, you can have one group competing with other groups in the same organization. They'll all strive to do their very best in order to win. They'll do it because of good sportsmanship. Good sales managers often set up that kind of motive to inspire their salespeople to do better jobs. And number five, future benefit. The hope of future benefits in the form of some yet unattained goal can often be obtained by mutual cooperation. Maybe there's something that you want to accomplish with a group of people and it can only be accomplished by everyone pulling together in the same direction at the same time with the spirit in harmony. Perhaps if you own a business, selling the business and you know a big return on their investment when the business get bought out, they get paid a lump sum and so forth. A lot of different ways of setting it up. But key things to keep into consideration when you are applying cooperation. So these were a handful of principles that I pulled out of this book. Your Right to Be Rich by Napoleon Hill, which are a series of, of talks that he did and consolidated into this book. And obviously, I'm going to recommend reading this book, and there's a lot more to it in the book. However, contained within this video is a broad spectrum of information that we've built upon over the series of videos that we've been doing. But you'll notice something. The key is this, definiteness of purpose. you got to know where you're going, and you got to have faith in the process. you got to have congruence. And in the process, you got to maintain that positive mental attitude. And that positive mental attitude is, or lack thereof, is revealed to you how you carry about your day-to-day -day activities and everything you do leading towards that goal. Because when you encounter something that is a disempowering belief or negative belief, you have the choice to rewrite that meaning. You could give it a positive meaning. And when you change that meaning and you believe that meaning and it becomes fact to you, when that thing shows up again, you're able to move forward. Temporary defeats, you go, don't even consider them to be temporary defeats anymore when you adopt this philosophy. You've been listening to Insights and Perspectives. These podcasts are audio extracts from my YouTube videos. You can watch the original videos and download a copy of the mind map notes by going over to josephrodriguez.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.